This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey, welcome to the Joyful Courage Podcast, a place for inspiration and transformation as we try and keep it together while parenting our tweens and teens. This is real work, people. And when we can focus on our own growth and nurturing the connection with our kids, we can move through the turbulence in a way that allows for relationships to remain intact. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am your fearless host. I'm a positive discipline trainer, space holder, coach, and the adolescent lead at Sproutable. I am also the mama to a 20-year-old daughter and 17-year-old son walking right beside you on this path of raising our kids with positive discipline and conscious parenting. This show is meant to be a resource to you, and I work really hard to keep it real, transparent, and authentic so that you feel seen and supported. Today is an interview, and I have no doubt that what you hear will be useful to you. Please don't forget, sharing truly is caring. If you love today's show, please pass the link around. Snap a screenshot, post it on your socials, or text it to your friends. Together, we can make an even bigger impact on families all around the globe. I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the pod. My guest today is a friend of the show, Hunter Clark Fields. Hunter is a mindfulness mentor. She's the host of the Mindful Mama podcast. She's a mom, global speaker, and number one bestselling author of Raising Good Humans with a new book out called Raising Good Humans Every Day. comes out in August. Hunter has over 20 years of experience in meditation and yoga practices and helps moms bring more calm and family cooperation into their daily lives. She's a mindfulness meditation teacher, the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course and Teacher Training, and has taught mindfulness to thousands worldwide, including a recent trip to Egypt. Hunter presents Talks on Parenting, is a certified teacher of parent effectiveness training, In addition, Hunter coaches smart, accomplished, overstressed individuals on how to cultivate mindfulness. Hunter is the mother of two active daughters who challenge her every day to hone her craft. Her work has appeared on CNBC, Make It, Parade, Paleontology. I'm really interested. What's that? Really? (laughs) Paleontology. (laughs) 
You have to leave this part in. So oh, funny. I will. <laughs> Motherhood moment, the Hollywood Digest, along with ABC Portland, NBC Milwaukee, and CBS South Bend, Kansas Public Radio, and many, many podcasts as part of her self-care. Hunter likes to do Scottish country dancing. Hi, Hunter. Welcome back <laughs> to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about this before, but can we talk about Scottish dancing? <laughs> of course we can talk about <laughs> Scottish dancing. So happy to talk about Scottish dancing. Are you Scottish? Like, what is the connection with Scottish dancing? Actually, Hunter is a Scottish last name. My grandfather was Donald Hunter, which of course is very, there's like even a Hunter Tartan and everything. But that's not why I'm into Scottish dancing. I got into it because at the end of 2021, going into 2022, it was like we were having like another COVID lockdown. Yeah. I'm like an extrovert. Like I get energy from people. So I was just feeling, I was like, it was a New Year's Day. I was like crying, miserable tears of patheticness. And I was like, <laughs> I'm going to find a running partner and I'm going to take that Scottish dancing class in my town. So I did. I'm finally going to take it. And I got so into it. I ended up going to dance camp that year. I'm going to dance camp again this year. Oh it's super fun. It's like physical movement, joyful movement with other people in person. It's just for the joy of it. It's super uh, fun. I love it. Is it like hands on <laughs> hips and a lot of like jigging around with the legs? <laughs> there is like a setting step that you do, but it's more like um, dancing with partners and sets. So you're like making shapes with partners, like you turn by the right hand and then you go around. Oh, like square dancing. A little like square dancing, oh. but the music is better. I yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Okay. Yeah. Now on to the real okay. content. So you, my friend, <laughs> you've been on the show before a couple of times. So listeners, you can search for Hunter's name on the website and pick up the other conversations that we've had, but you have a new book. This is so exciting. A new baby. Yeah, a new baby. A new baby who doesn't have diapers and you don't need to breastfeed. Talk <laughs> about what you've created for parents. How is it different than the first book? Well, I love Raising Good Humans. And with Raising Good Humans, I was very focused on like, I want to give these most essential tools that help me stop losing my ever loving mind with my children. And, you know, there are tools about mindfulness and skillful communication. So it's pretty like, honed in on these really essential things. And with Raising Good Humans Every Day, the subtitle is 50 Simple Ways to Press Pause, Stay Present, and Connect with Your Kids. And so it's this like format of 50 short chapters. And it's this way of like expanding upon Raising Good Humans and going into like our home environment, mm. going into our schedules, going into our lifestyle, and breaking it all down into these like chapters that are three or like maybe four pages long all with a practice in them. So it's small, it can fit in your purse, and you don't have to like read it from cover to cover. You can dip in at any place. And I just love a book like that where I can just reach and like open up a page and find something that is going to ground me and inspire me. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what this is designed to do. It's really designed with busy parents in mind who don't have time to read a 300 page tome about parenting. It's yeah. like give you the essential information in a short bit of time. I love that. And it sounds like it's really practical and it sounds like mm -hmm. it's like sound bites that can fit inside of different home environments. I think sometimes when we read parenting books, even when we writers do our best to be like practical and specific, it can feel like broad strokes to the mm -hmm. reader. And there's a lot of, yeah, but 
you know, like sitting inside of this won't work for me. And it sounds like what you've created is a guide to show how the tools that you shared in the big book can actually be really honed in on and integrated in this new book. And what a practical, amazing offer. Thank you for that. I'm very excited about it. What's the feedback that you're getting? I've gotten great feedback from like the people who reviewed it. You know, those Mm -hmm. are the only readers so far, but I mean, it was super exciting to get like nice feedback from Jack Cornfield, who's like a amazing meditation oh teacher. Gosh. And I was like, oh, Jack Cornfield really likes my book. This is so exciting. Oh my gosh. I cried to him before. I cried to him. I oh. met him. And oh. I was like, I saw him speak at this workshop and I went to have him sign my book and I burst into tears. <laughs> and I just said, I didn't know I was a Buddhist. <laughs> like, And he was so kind and sweet and just like the best grandpa ever, you know, like wrapped his arms around me. Yes, he's the grandfather that you didn't know you wanted. He's like everybody's grandfather. I love that you read your book. I love that. Yes. And Shafali. Yeah. And Dr. Shafali, of course, wrote the foreword and it was so exciting to get her great feedback on it and things like that. And then I read the whole thing out loud for the audiobook this time. They had me read it. Go figure, Mm -hmm. you know done all this podcasting, you'd think they would have assumed. But anyway, I got to read it this time. And so I was like, I just recently read through the whole thing. And I'm like, it's really good. I'm so excited about it. So yeah, yeah, I'm feeling very excited about this book. That's so great. That's so great. And your kids, you have two kids who are in the throes of adolescence. They were Mm -hmm. younger when the first book came out. What are you noticing, like, as you read it for the audiobook, considering where you're at on your parenting journey with your two teenagers, like, what came up for you as you read through your own work and consider your practice of being the parent of teens? Well, I tend to think, like, you know, the ages and stages, there are, of course, so many differences with them. And this has actually two chapters, one specifically for, like, how to talk to little kids and one specifically how to talk to teens and older kids. Mm -hmm. But I do think the vast majority of the tools are so universal. We have to, I mean, underscoring everything in skillful parenting is being able to like take care of yourself, right? And Mm -hmm. to regulate your stress response so that you can actually use your whole brain when parenting your child so that you can get curious, so that you can be grounded because there's so many challenges that come at you. I mean, as the parent of teens, It's so true that the old adage of bigger kids, bigger problems, you know, they're not as constant and in your face, of course, as little kids, far from it, but the problems are bigger and they require us to be grounded and Mm. to be thoughtful and to not freak out (laughs) as best we can. So all those tools really help. I mean, there's tools about communication and, you know, mindfulness tools and tools about even things like forgiving our own parents and Mm. things like that. And all of these communication skills, I mean, the kind of the secret is that they are sort of universal for all ages. So that really comes through to me. Mm -hmm. I do love that. I love when parents are week two, week three in my six-week class and they say, oh, I'm using this at work and with my partner. It's like, yeah, we package it as parenting, but really it's humaning. It's being in relationship with each other. So I really appreciate that. Do you feel like as you reread 
your work and you consider your relationship with your kids and what they've been through during this season of parenting? Were there any particular tools that for you really, I'm sure you had a lot of these moments, but maybe share with us one or two where it was like, oh yeah, I really, this is one that I really lean into. Well, I do have a chapter that's called why I want to date my child. Oh, and <laughs> tell me more. <laughs> and this is like, this is about really the idea that our relationship with our kids and particularly with our teens, I think, but our relationship with our kids are like every other relationship in that we need for us to create that connection and cooperation and all the, the good things we want. We have to give attention to that relationship. You know, like when we're having issues with our marriage or whatever, like everyone's like, have a date night with your spouse. And that's good advice. And it's just the same with our kids, like have a date night with your kids because teens are just like a lot less likely to be like, hang out with me, mom. So you kind of have to create those moments, you know, of meeting them in their world and trying to initiating those moments of hanging out or, you know, what I'm calling dating. Yeah, I love that. But, you know, just like special one-on-one -on -one time with our kids is effective when they're young and they want attention and connection and things like that. It's also just as effective when they're teenagers because you're just nurturing the relationship. And when the relationship is good, then they come to you when they need to talk about something. They will listen to you when you need to talk about something. And it just makes all that good stuff flow in the relationship. Yeah. They get so busy, right? My son is 17 and he's got a job and friends and likes to work out a lot. And I love that you brought this up because just yesterday I said, hey, tomorrow night when you get home from work, I'll make sure that dinner's ready. I'm going to get some candy. I'm going to make us some popcorn and I want to watch Air, that movie about Air Jordans because he hasn't seen it yet and he's really into basketball. And I literally asked him out on a date. That's what I did. And he said, yes. So nice. hopefully he doesn't stand me up. <laughs> but yeah, it remains so important and can feel like, oh, my kiddo is so busy, too busy, but really putting in the effort and making it happen and inviting them into that, making sure that it's appealing to them mm -hmm. is so key to that relationship piece and just taking a break from, you know, clean your room, what's your homework situation, right? Where are you going? Who mm -hmm. are you with? All the, you know, quote parenting stuff that can mm -hmm. start to really become, I think, because our teens are so busy, can become the only things we're talking to them about. And yeah. Like my 17 year old, he is my indicator of when we've tipped over into too much of that and not enough just like neutral connection, inquiry, curiosity with him. Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. 
When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God, spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. And I think they probably all are. I feel like my tuning fork is pretty well tuned to him as far as him letting me know, like, eh, I'm going to take a look at how I've been showing up and choose to show up differently. And it's just such a small tweak that makes such a big difference in our relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think it always seems to be like a tweak in our attention, you know, mm-hmm. our presence, our yeah. energy, right? Like, and it always seems to me like a tweak in our ability to stop our going doing mode Mm. or to slow that roll a little bit and just pause and downshift into being mode into a mindfulness mode a mode of being present being curious practicing to bring your attention back to here and now not trying to fix change or do anything but just being open to whatever is here right now for me it's always that it's always Mm. like stop the doing put the phone down, close the dishwasher, whatever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. like stop tidying Mm -hmm. and be with it. Like my teen daughter a little while ago, she got upset with us because we weren't listening to her, something with her about swim practice. And she was really upset. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stay in the space. And I had a broom (laughs) I was like sweeping the entryway as she was like getting all upset. And I'm like, okay, you know, I don't need to do anything right now, even though like my habit was to do because it was an anxious moment. 
mm-hmm. and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I put the broom against the wall and I sat next to her and she didn't want me to like hug her or anything, but just really all that was needed for me in that moment was to sit near her. She was like crying. She was upset to sit near her, to breathe, to calm my own self. You know, the way I do it and the way I teach is, you know, you breathe in, you're like a calm mountain. You know, you imagine your body in the shape of a mountain and I just breathe and I felt what was happening. And that was all that was needed, right? And the thing is, like, our emotions are contagious. We feel each other's emotions. There's a myth of individuality, right? Like, we inter-are with each other. And so, my calming down was probably part of what helped her calm down mm-hmm. and just listening. That's really just all she needed. And I think that we rush to, like, fix things or change things because it's uncomfortable. But just sitting in whatever that discomfort is is really what our kids need a lot of the time. Anyone, you know, mm-hmm. of course, going back to it's universal. When they're upset, that's what they need is like, I'm here with you. We don't have to say that. We can just do it. We can just practice it. Yeah. And I'm hearing you in this story recognizing what you were doing while you were doing it. I'm hearing you kind of with an outside observer saying, okay, yes, I'm sweeping because I feel anxious. Right. And I think that's so key because we are so uncomfortable with our kids' discomfort. Which makes sense. I mean, we've spent however many years making sure their needs are met, you know, and Mm -hmm. creating a space of love and comfort. And then they become teenagers and, you know, they just want to be heard. I think they always just want to be heard. But, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on how we've done up until now with our practice of that, they really Mm -hmm. let us know, you know, in a variety of ways. I just want to be heard. And I've had to say to my daughter, I've had to ask, you know, what do you need right now? Do you need me to listen? Do you need me to offer my thoughts? Do you need me to ask questions? Like, what is it that you need? And we've kind of got into a habit where at first that was a really annoying question to her. (laughs) Yeah. But we've talked about it outside of moments and I've let her know, like, I want to show up for you. And I'm not always sure how. That's why I asked that question. And so we've been able to now use that as a tool in our relationship. And it is so useful. It is so useful. And especially when you realize all they need, like we're off the hook. All they need is for you to sit there and be with them and regulate your own body. Mm -hmm. That's so much easier than trying to solve every problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if the listener, like if you're uncomfortable with the idea of letting go of solving the problem, it doesn't mean that there won't be opportunities to solve problems after, yeah. <laughs> you know, if that's needed. It just means like just shift into being for a little while. And that's yeah. like psycho-emotional hug, mm. <laughs> grounding that our people who are upset need. Mm. So in your book, and you've already mentioned this, and in the being, right? You talk about the practice of being less busy and having more downtime. How do you see this as important during adolescence? Because it kind of feels like, it can feel like, ooh, they're more on their own. So I have more space to do, 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 do more things. What's the benefits and what does it look like 
to be less busy and have more downtime? I think that this is a general call to our culture. (laughs) In some ways, in fact, it's like being busy during adolescence is good for adolescents, right? Like their brains are chaotic. It's good for them to have like structure in their day and to do a sport or band or scouts or whatever they're doing. Like it's good for them to have these structures to connect with their friends. Like I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Whereas like little kids, right, need a lot of free play time, you know, unstructured activity. I think adolescents actually need some structured activity. Like it's really helpful for them. But we tend to do everything. You know, we're like, we're doing the trip to Disney and then we're going to meet on Sally and then we're doing, you know, we tend to like want to pack in all the experiences. I think just sort of generally culturally, this is kind of how we tend to roll. And also we tend to guilt ourselves, you know, like I have to drive my kid to every practice. I have to be at every practice. I have to watch them like, which is not true. You know, and it goes back to that kind of being uncomfortable with being and we're doing, right? We feel an inner sense of unworthiness. And so we are doing more to feel worthy. You know, this is a pattern I've seen again and again and again. And so the idea of being a little less busy is just about kind of looking at, does it feel like your life balances, feels good to you? Does it feel like you have ease? in your life. That's Mm. the word I like to use. Like, do you feel some ease in your life? Because what I want for my kids ultimately is for them to feel at ease in their own skin. You know, like that's what I really, really want for them because everything good kind of stems from that. And so they need to know what that feels like. I need to like create that in my life and in our lives for them to know what that feels like. And if I'm constantly going, constantly doing, they're not going to know what that feels like. So we can start to see what are the choices I'm making to make my life really busy? You know, am I saying yes to everything? Do I feel like I have to do all the things? Do I feel like I have to volunteer for, you know, the softball meet or whatever? Right now, I honestly feel like I have to volunteer for swim meets right now as we we record this. It's like pretty mandatory, which is funny that I say it, but like, you know, can we balance that with some days, like some Sabbath days, right? Or afternoons, like a day of rest where you don't have a lot scheduled, right? Can you do one thing at a time? Can you ask your kids to get rides to things that are important to them? You know, sometimes we'll just be like, I'm tired, you know, like, can you see if you can get a ride to scouts tonight? And then when we are giving a ride, sometimes we'll say, hey, does anyone else need a ride, right? Just because why are we all of us separately driving to the same thing? It doesn't make a lot of sense, right? So it's just, it's kind of a shift in mindset and a shift in practices. And actually I share like a mantra that I've had to work with for like years. And because I tend to, you know, I'm like, I live in the busy efficiency culture as much as anyone. And I always want to like squeeze something in. So I have to be like, there's more than enough time for everything important. There's more than enough time for everything Mm -hmm. important. And just slow myself down and focus on what I'm doing. And if we can get some of that feeling of ease in every day or in a bunch of the days of your week, I think that's success there. That's kind of where you're going is so that you can just feel some ease and slow the F down. Yeah. Model that for your kids. Well, and what's landing for me, 
because this is a learning edge for me and something that I actively practice is like two people can have the same list of tasks and one can go into that day feeling like there's not enough time. And the other one can go into the day with your mantra of there's enough time for everything that's important. And same amount of hours in a day, same list of tasks, two vastly different experiences. And it's so interesting to me that the power of mindset Mm -hmm. and the power of how we choose to declare our experience, Mm -hmm. how we choose our way of being, because it is a choice. Mm -hmm. And the shift that can happen when we start to grow in our awareness of the story that we're telling about our experience and deciding like, I don't want that story. I don't want to live inside of there's not enough time because that makes me feel frantic. Mm -hmm. I don't get self-care. I am short with my family, right? And then on the days that, you know, start off with this abundance around time, man, I can do all the things and I can do all the things with the experience of spaciousness as well, because Mm -hmm. there isn't that like lingering. It's like something that's kind of right behind me, almost like pushing me through the day. That's like, okay. And I find that I'm super distractible in that mindset as well. Like not only is there not enough time, but I actually spend more time on my phone those days. Like, because I'm so uncomfortable with this urgency that I look for unhealthy ways to distract myself from it, (laughs) creating less time for the things that are important for me. It's so true. It's like, it all goes back to like your nervous system, right? Yeah. It's kind of like when parents are upset with their kids, one of the things I tell them to tell themselves is this is not an emergency. This is not an emergency. And it's the same thing with there's more than enough time for everything important. Because when our nervous system gets hijacked, when it gets going, it hijacks the rest of us. And, you know, like you said, that same mindset you can feel or that same set of activities you can feel totally rushed and real more easily distracted. That's because your nervous system fight, flight, or freeze is activated. So you're scanning for threats, right? Because obviously mm-hmm. something you're under threat if you don't have enough time, right? If you're rushing in any way, it's activating your nervous system because hunter-gatherer humans, if you had to rush, there was a threat. Yeah, That was the only reason you would ever have to rush is if there was a threat. So when anytime we hurry, you know, we activate our nervous system stress response. So then we start to look for more threat and we feel less at ease and we you know, become more scanning of the environment, you know, and there's a chapter called Mindfulness for Fidgety Parents. And <laughs> I'm so excited to get my hands on this book, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Great titles. My daughter used to go to like for three hours when she was little to a uh, Montessori school that's like basically around the block from my house. And I used to literally run home <laughs> Because that one time went so fast. I would dash home because I had an excess of energy (laughs) and the time would go so fast. And I felt like I had no time to get it all done. And this didn't help me. It like made me a little more frantic. It kind of made me a little crazy. And ultimately I realized, okay, this is actually an opportunity to practice mindful walking, to practice slowing down. Mm. 
And walking is a great place to practice mindfulness because you feel your feet touching the earth. You look around you, you feel your breath, you notice the things in your environment as you walk, even if you're walking from wherever to your car, right? So I slow down, force myself to walk slowly, breathe and chill on this like block, basically amount of space to get back to my house. And lo and behold, I got more stuff done because I wasn't Mm. so freaking out. I was more relaxed when I finally got my child. And it was like, oh, this is actually giving me more time. And this is one of the ways like a mindfulness practice can kind of give us more time because we end up just being more at ease and more focused when we are getting the other things done. Yes. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. You know, like I have to remind myself, don't try to think too much about it. Like just trust, (laughs) just (laughs) trust that that's how it works. We don't have to have all the answers on the why, just trust Mm. that it's useful. So I'm hearing, you know, slowing down, being intentional around mindfulness. I'm hearing mantras. Mm -hmm. I heard you say, you know, having a Sabbath day or afternoon where you know that it's a clear calendar. What are some other things? What are some other tips for parents that are listening that support this less busy, more downtime, which seems like even as I say that, I'm like, is that a stupid question? Because duh, like do less things. That's how you're less busy with more downtime. But it's (laughs) obviously not that easy (laughs) or simple, I guess. No, I mean, it can be that simple, but our culture does like push us into busyness. It really does. You hear everyone around you and they're telling their stories and you feel like, oh, I mean, and that's happened to me where I've been like, oh, I'm feeling very relaxed and at ease. Like, am I missing something? Like, (laughs) should I be doing something that I forgot about? (laughs) Because there's a lot of, you know, cultural pressure and that matters enormously to us. And that's why I think it's so important to have things in our life that can inspire us and remind us that because the prevailing cultural message is so like, be busy, buy more stuff, do more things. 
I find I really need, you know, media in my life, books, all kinds of things that remind me that it's actually okay and beneficial to slow down, to say no, to really be present for the life that I'm in. And it kind of goes to like, in some ways, like also to our stuff, you know, it's like kind of think of decluttering in in our time space, our schedules, and our house and environment space is a similar thing. Like when I can create more space, you know, there's just room for things to have breathing room. Yeah. And that conversation around culture, I think is so powerful. And you had said a bit ago about the worthiness conversation, right? Mm -hmm. Was it worthiness? And your experience of, wow, I actually don't feel stressed. I feel really relaxed. And we go to this place of, well, what's wrong with me? If everyone in the circle of people is like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling like that with the college application Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't have stress around, and it might either be ignorance is bliss, or (laughs) I just am trusting the process. Like, and I'm also noticing too, I don't have a kid that's applying to like, you know, the top 10% of schools in the country. He's, he's a mid student. He's applying to mid colleges. And I just know that he's going to be fine and he's going to have a great time and he's going to get a good education. But it's interesting how catchy it is when I'm talking to friends and they're so stressed about their experience, how quickly I go to, like you said, what am I missing? What do I not know that I feel calm about this thing that's coming up and clearly creating stress for other people? But that worthiness piece, like we get to have downtime. We get to be at ease and it isn't indulgent. Like, I just want everyone that's listening to hear like, this yeah. isn't an indulgence. This is, this is soul care and self-care and showing up better for our life and having things move smoother in our life because of spaciousness and, you know, that downtime and that ease. And it gives you the time and space, like when you need it for the stuff that happens, right? Like when we have teens, we said bigger kids, bigger problems some big stuff comes up and you need some space and time in your life to be able to digest that stuff that is arising. I definitely do think there is a worthiness thing around it. Like when you describe your, this college application experience, like you're realizing like, if he doesn't go to college, maybe this year he'll go to college next year, probably too. Right. Like there's always like, yeah, it's not not like do or die with, with everything. Right. Except Like that's what the larger culture teaches us, right? Is that we have to get these things done. It is do or die. And and many of us feel that like achieve the grade or else we're, you know, everything's going to fall apart. Like this house of cards is going to fall apart. And there's a great uncertainty for all of us parents. If you're a parent living in the United States, you live in a great culture that has no safety net for you, right? Like we have no safety net for each other. And so that amount of stress that that can add to people's life. I think we don't recognize that because we're kind of like in a lot of ways, you know, we don't have a lot of agency to do a lot about it, right? Except maybe use the power of our vote, but like we don't have any safety net. Our kids don't have any safety net. And the default brain, right, for a human is anxious. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how we're wired. Like we're wired to survive, to not to be happy. 
it takes like the default mode is you're anxious, you're scanning for threats, and you know, you're getting maybe getting through the day, but yeah, you know, and everybody's if, if, gonna end up dead in a ditch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's exactly. Real. It's the only possible outcome if things are going sideways. And it's legitimate. It's like a legitimate fear, but we don't want to live in fear all the time, right? Like yeah. we would like to choose not to be live lives of anxiety all the time. It takes effort. Like the default is anxious and the default is like maybe, you know, some of the coping skills for dealing with anxiety that are, aren't so healthy, like numbing or shopping or, you know, overeating Stopping, or whatever, yep, you know, all drinking, all of those things. Right. So like, if we want to be at ease without like all without like drinking ourselves into a stupor of ease, you know, in a healthy way, it takes some effort. It takes some practice because yeah. the default is alert for survival. So, you know, unfortunately, I like, I mean, that's really what I want to normalize, right? It's normalized now to be distracted, to be busy and things like that. So we don't feel that essential unease of being human. And what the practices in this book and Raising Good Humans Every Day, they kind of address like, yeah, we have this essential unease as parents, right? And our kids are learning from us. We're modeling for them. We are a model for our teens for how to be in the world. And what we do and how we live teaches them way more than what we say. And so if we can teach them that it's possible to be at ease by practicing some things a few minutes every day, by shifting our mindsets, by, you know, by changing our focus, by slowing down, by doing a little less, right? We give them an alternative to what the default is. And I think that's, I mean, if I go back to like what I want for my kids, I want them to, and I think they, I mean, for, I see them for teens, they are pretty darn comfortable in their own skin from what I can gather, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got issues, you know, what person on earth doesn't, and they teenager. Teen brain development is real. <laughs> yeah. But one of them is not, I don't like who I am, or I feel uncomfortable in who I am. I think part of that is that the practice of, you know, their father and I, the practice of us practicing to be at ease using tried and true thousands of year old practices to have some of that ease. Yeah. Well, and Scottish dancing. And Scottish dancing. <laughs> <laughs> they won't come with me. That's <laughs> it, so shocking. I can't believe that. Your teen daughters don't want to go to Scottish dancing with their mom. They would love it though. <laughs> oh my gosh, I want to go. It's a very like <laughs> I uh, wish I was your neighbor. open and inclusive community. So there's all these like college sort of age love students it. who are like very, you know, they all look like an older version of my kids' friends. It's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. I love your work, Hunter. I'm so grateful that you are in the world and doing what you do. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that you leave the listeners with today before we wrap? I like to just leave them with the idea that it's okay to be human. It's okay to struggle. It's like really freaking hard to be a human being on planet earth, to be conscious, to deal with the gift and the curse of our consciousness and to raise kids that you love so much, that you care about so much. And it's okay for you to mess up and be human and make mistakes. I've made so many and, you know, it, the key is just keep beginning anew, keep coming back, 
for, you know, mm. compassion and beginning anew. Love that. What does joyful courage mean to you today? Joyful courage to me means today. I mean, yeah, it really is. Those are the perfect words to address going in and being with my teen girls. You know, it's about embodying the courage to face all the things we face in the world and also continue to seek out and find the joy. I think for me, it means that as I head back in to see what they hauled from Goodwill this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Remind everybody where they can find you and follow your work and your podcast. You can find all the things at mindfulmamamentor.com. You'll find the Mindful Mama podcast there and anywhere you listen to podcasts. You'll find Raising Good Humans every day, anywhere books are sold. And, you know, if you want to tell me what you thought of this interview or argue with me about anything in the world or whatever it is on Instagram, you can find me at Mindful Mama Mentor. Thank you so much. This was fun. It's always so great to connect Thank with you. Thank you so much, Casey. You. I appreciate talking to you too. I wish I were there in person. I'd give you a big hug. Uh, no. One of these days we'll be in person yes. again. I feel yeah. it. Thank you so much for listening in today. Thank you to my Sproutable partners, as well as Chris Mann and the team at Podshaper for all the support with getting this show out there and making it sound good. Check out our offers for parents with kids of all ages and sign up for our newsletter to stay connected at besproutable.com. Tune back in later this week for our Thursday show, and I'll be back with another interview next Monday. Peace. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes Unsticking life sucks. Unsticking it.